Hey guys, and welcome back to the shoot-around on Thursday, November 30th. I'm Nick Carvel. alongside me as always, Mr. Chan. How's it going, everyone? Before we get started, I want to give a huge shout-out to our shoot-around shout-out of the day, Ben underscore Burnback, for being our first follower on our new Instagram page, The Shoot-Around. Thanks, Ben. Now let's get into it. First, let's get into the Causeway update and talk Celtics. Since our last show, yes, the streak has ended, but the Seas are still rolling at 18-4 and in the season. Our next game is tonight against Philly. And Bede will sit out because it's the second night of a back-to-back. Kyrie's been balling out like ever, with the exception of last game against Detroit when Avery locked him up. Al Horford has been in a bit of a scoring slump recently, but I do not think there's any reason to be concerned, as the team is still doing great things, and Horford is still doing a great job facilitating. Mr. Chan, so far, can I get your biggest up and biggest down of the Celtics season so far? I think the biggest up is definitely um, in terms of defensive rotations, our added length and athleticism terms of how well we've been disrupting opposing teams' offenses. Uh, I think our rebounding has also gotten better, and, uh, you know, guys are buying into Brad's system. So I think that's the biggest up, that is that we're playing much better than expected as a team. Uh, for me, the biggest down so far is seems like, you know, almost a lack of focus for stretches uh, where, you know, guys become lackadaisical. We give up some, you know, big leads and get into a big hole and we have to climb out of it or you know um, sometimes at the end of games we can't Um, for example the other night against Detroit um, yes Avery you know Avery Bradley still one of the best on-ball defenders in the league and he did a number on uh, on Kyrie and Andre Drummond will give anybody trouble but I was personally disappointed in our focus in terms of how that game went down the stretch Um, first you can't give up 118 points to any team and expect to win consistently and second of all I felt like the lackadaisical turnovers towards the end of the game um, are pretty uncharacteristic of a Brad Stevens coach team I felt like you know that pass that Drummond had stolen um, passing it to Horford where Horford uh, usually he does a good job of stepping to the pass but he was kind of waiting for it to come and Andre Drummond you know tipped it away so I think that you know um you know, I'm, I'm sure Brad will straighten them out, but you know, I think the biggest down is those still those um, mental inconsistencies um, for stretches and sometimes in key stretches. Yeah, for sure. We've been seeing that all season. Well, uh, my personal biggest up so far this season has been team chemistry and just our ball movement. We're playing like the Spurs, but this team has just been formed this year. But we feel like it, it looks like we've been playing together for years and years, and. Uh, you know, I didn't expect our chemistry to gel this quickly. I thought it would definitely take some time. Like I said before the season started, uh, I thought we were going to get off to a slow start. It has been the opposite of that, to say the least. But, uh, yeah, I'd say team chemistry and just our ability to know where guys are on the court, where guys like to be on the court, and getting them the ball at the right times. Uh, that's been huge. My biggest down, it has to come, Marcus Smart's shooting. My goodness. It has been bad to watch. With exception of these past two games, which we'll talk about later, I mean, he's been shooting it worse than Lonzo Ball so far this year. Well, not anymore, first Not of anymore. All. Well, with exception <laughs> of the past two games. And I think, you know, the crazy part is that I actually think that he's a much better shooter than the numbers have indicated so far. I think that with Marcus, um, you know, one, uh, a lot of folks notice that he'll always show up for you in the clutch. He hits, he hits a lot of big shots, makes a lot of big plays. I think, um, you know, sometimes 
you know, the shooting slump, I'm sure, is probably in the back of his mind somewhere. But I really like the fact that Brad is letting him shoot his way out of it. Because I think even though he's been consistently shooting not well, um, a lot of his shots are actually like two inches, three inches away from being makes. So it's not that he's, you know, Lonzo Ball bricking it off the backboard. But, you know, it's just little tweaks. And I, I honestly think that, you know, his shooting percentages will go up over the course of the season. Do we really want his shooting percentages to go up, though? Because I saw a weird stat saying that when Marcus Smart shoots under 30% in a game, we're 11-0. and 0. I mean, come on, man. That's a very <laughs> small sample size, first of all. And, you know, second and when he of shoots all, above 30%, we're, what is it, 7-4? Seven 7-4. Four? Seven four. Yeah, but, I mean, it's still a winning record. And besides... You look at that win streak, how many of those wins were really close and we needed to get a last-second stop, right? Think about the Charlotte game, right? We did everything to give that game away. Like We came back, but there were some mistakes like the Terry Rozier turnover because he stepped out of bounds. Oh. Like those little things that we still need to iron out. I feel like, you know, I agree with what Coach Stevens had said that we weren't as good as that 17-game win streak had indicated because, you know, thinking back even the Raptors game, we played great defense on DeRozan, but that's a shot. That's his shot. That is that is the shot they wanted. Yeah. And, and Dallas, that was another game. Exactly. That we stole from the Mavericks. The Hawks, you know, I felt like the Thunder kind of fell asleep. Um, not to discredit, I, I love the Celtics teams. I, I love watching them play, but I just think that, you know, stats and records can be very misleading. And I think that, you know, Marcus, eventually the water will find its level. I think his shooting percentage will go back up. Now, is he going to have, like, the same hot streak that he had the last two games? Probably not consistently. But I think the water will find its level again. Yeah, well, my biggest problem with his shooting has been his release. You know, I feel like all offseason he worked out, slimmed down. We saw a new slim Marcus, and he told everyone he had a new form. And we saw flashes of that in the preseason. You know, mm-hmm. we saw him making, what, like four out of five threes mm-hmm. against Charlotte in the preseason. I mean, he was looking like a new Marcus. And then when the regular season came around, it, it looks like his old form again. I feel like that could be part of his shooting woes. Well, you know, it, a lot of it is psychological. It's hard to change up your shooting mechanics that you've been shooting with your whole life uh, and just expect it to be consistent. I think what happened was he changed it up. It was looking good. I think that you know, the release that he wants to get to is a very quick release. I think that a lot of times when he's open this season because he didn't start off very well this season, he's been thinking too much he's about it. He's taking his time, exactly. And I actually think that, you know, I don't know if there's a stat about it, but, you know, from all the Celtics game that I've watched, when Marcus had, has caught it and has had next to no time to shoot it and when he really needed to shoot it and he wasn't thinking – his make percentage, I guarantee you, skyrockets. Because that's basketball. Part of it is that, you know, when basketball players hesitate and they think about it too much, they miss shots. When Marcus has that confidence, and which is why, again, I love the fact that Brad is letting him shoot his way out of it, is that, hey, shoot with confidence. You don't want to take that man's confidence away. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's get into the Around the World segment of the show, which is the NBA update. We'll first talk about Blake Griffin, who's going to be sidelined for the next two months with his sprained MCL, which was a gruesome-looking injury. I don't know if you saw it, but 
His teammate Austin Rivers just landed in his knee. It just like went backwards awkwardly. I thought it was going to be worse than just a sprained MCL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I think, honestly, that there goes the Clippers' chances of saving their season. You know, they were a borderline playoff team. Uh, I believe right now they are 8-11. and 11. So they were right around the 9th, ninth, 10th ninth, seed. I mean, I still had hope for them that they could potentially make the playoffs, but now without their star player, I just I think their season's done. I think uh, they need to trade DeAndre Jordan. I think they need to pull the trigger. I mean, I I mean, looking at the Clippers, I never thought that they were a real playoff team to begin with. They started on a hot streak, and I think that was fool's gold. Uh, part of that is because, you know, I just don't think, one, Austin Rivers is, you know, <laughs> like I don't think they have enough firepower. Second of all, they lost Patrick Beverly. It's a huge difference He's a maker. Huge difference. And now you know losing Blake Griffin. I, you know, respect the Doc from his Celtics days, but I just don't think. I think he's much more of a player's coach, a personality manager. Uh, he's good at drawing timeouts out of. I mean, drawing uh, plays out of timeouts, but I just don't think he was all. He's never been the best at making adjustments or yeah. being a pure tactician like Brad and has been able to do. Injuries have plagued them. Gallinari too. Well, missed a lot of a huge chunk of the season. Yeah, but even even before then, I don't know. I I was still iffy on them going in. I um I just wonder if Steve Ballmer will fire Doc Rivers. I mean, he took away the GM duties. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen next. In, in a way, these injuries might actually buy Doc more time to prove himself to, to show himself to the owner that hey, like I should still be in this coaching position. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Clippers need to go rebuild mode now? DeAndre Jordan's hitting 30, and injuries are plaguing them. This season looks like it's all over. I mean, personally, I thought they should have blown it up last offseason. Once they lost Chris Paul. Yeah, once Chris Paul left, because, you know, that was your engine. And, you know, Beverly is a very, very good player, a very quality starter. He's a player you'd love to have in your championship team. Exactly. But he's not, like, your transcendent star. I think for the Clippers... You know, it's better off now to try to stockpile picks if you can. Um, I think this upcoming draft has some really, really special talents. For sure. Um, I, I'm really, really liking what I've seen so far from Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, I love Luka Doncic. Um, I think Michael Porter, once he recovers, I hope he recovers fully. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all positive thoughts and prayers out to him. Colin Sexton's you know, looking like could, an elite scorer. Score. Yeah, Colin Sexton almost brought his team back playing three on five. <laughs> that was the craziest game I've ever seen. Right? Um, and then there's also, like, there's DeAndre Iton, who I think is going to be, like, the Knicks' special center. Really? Yes. You heard it here first. Hot take from Mr. Chan. <laughs> All right, we're going to hang out west right now. Talk about the Thunder, who are actually worse so far than the Clippers. 8-12. and 12. I have my theory about what's going on, but I want to hear yours first, Mr. Chan. What is going on in OKC? My theory is that Carmelo Anthony now is just a net negative player and can't contribute to his teams anymore. I think his net negative, a um, couple of things, right? Out west, now that Melo has to play the four spot, you know, He's he can't defend the the quality power forwards that are out west. Uh, I think second is just you know PG and Westbrook. I thought that was the amount of shot makers and shot creators that they needed. Adding Melo to that equation is just too much. Mm-hmm. I think that all three guys are most effective with the ball in their hands, 
I think that Westbrook and Paul George would have been great. Melo was just almost like a needless ad. Um, you know, I'm interested to see. Personally, I mean, one adjustment that I want to see if they make is if they then play Melo major minutes as a sixth man and find some kind of power forward. Uh, because right now, I just, I just, I don't think Melo was a great defensive player to start with, but right now I just don't think he can... I think he's a horrible defensive player to start with. I don't think he can guard anyone anymore, especially out West. I mean, on paper, it looks good because, you know, people play video games and stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they just... Their scoring is concentrated on three dudes, but, you know, everybody else is just seemingly not good enough to support them. Yeah, so you basically touched upon what I was going to talk about. They have three guys who need the ball in their hands to produce offense. Three guys who need one basketball on the court is just not always, it's not going to work. And especially with a young coach like Donovan, who's still getting new to the NBA experience, who doesn't really, you know, how know how to mesh players well together. I mean, it's just, it like you said, it looks good on paper, but it's just not going to work out in terms of how they're going to play together. It's got all guys who need to get their own touches, need to get their own shots, and it's just not going to help them win games. Exactly. I, I just don't think that – I think that all three players that they have are much more effective off the bounce, like shooting off the bounce. I don't think they're exactly great catch-and-shoot guys. Yeah, they're not good playing off-ball. Uh, and I just don't think the floor spacing is fully there for them. This is why I love Kyrie because as good as Kyrie is with the basketball, he can play just as well off the ball. Like, you'll see sometimes in the fourth quarter with, like, three minutes left, he'll tell Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart, hey, take the ball, run the offense. Yeah. I'm going to play off ball Well, it makes get it, open like that. I think, you know, personally, knowing how to play off ball, you know, I, t- I, I teach my players, I coach my players to do that all the time. Once you learn how to read a screen and, and work the off ball action, you make yourself that much more dangerous of a, of a scorer. So I think, you know, I don't know if Coach Donovan will, will make adjustments, but I think that that's where the coaching part comes in. I think, you know, Brad has that ability to have a system that maximizes everyone's abilities. And part of that is teaching them how to play off ball. And another big part of that is the players he has. Well, yes. He doesn't have guys that all love holding the basketball, shooting every shot. Well, but here's the thing is that, I think Coach Stevens has a way to hold guys accountable. He's not afraid to coach his best players hard. I think that, you know, you look at the guys we had before, like with IT, before he came, his reputation was like an ISO, pure, on-ball guy. Just a scorer off the bench yeah. is what he was. Yeah, but the thing is, Stevens was able to coach him to buy in. He was able to, like, you know, sell his system and make IT very effective off the ball. And turn him into a superstar, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, you know, part of that, too, is also IT's own work ethic. Yeah. But, you know, you cannot deny that, you know, playing in Brad's system, it maximizes. He puts guys in positions to succeed. And, you know, just look at Jay Crowder. <laughs> not not doing well in Cleveland. And that's what, exactly what we're going to talk about next. The Cavs who actually are doing pretty well now. We knew this was going to come eventually. We were hoping and praying it wouldn't. They've won nine straight. How much longer do you think they're going to keep it going? 
keep, well, their, keep their foot on the gas. I mean, we'll see. I think that, you know, for the Cavs, you know, they've won a bunch of close games lately, you know, like against the Clippers by five. They beat Charlotte by one, I believe. Yep, beat Charlotte by one, beat the Knicks by three. So I think that, you know, their defense is still pretty bad. I think they've won on the strength of LeBron's greatness. The <laughs> other part is I also think that they have done a whole lot better without Derrick Rose. I think that Derrick Rose won, uh, like, I think he's a little bit of a head case and a diva. Like I think that he, like he said, he wanted to win. He said all the right things, but it's it's almost becoming more and more apparent that they just play better without him as a team. And you know, Rose is is not going to be able to space the floor. I think that you know, right now, Cleveland is riding the strength of LeBron's greatness. And here's the scary part, is that in his, what, 15th year in the league, mm-hmm. I think LeBron has finally got the three-point shot down. Shooting 42% so far from the, from the three-point line. Jeez. You want to talk more about Derrick Rose and his whole situation, taking his leave of absence from the Cavs? Yeah. Do you think he's going to hang him up? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, honestly, I'm not a mind reader, so I'm not going to come up here and like claim to know what's in his head. I mean, it, does, it just doesn't look good from an optic standpoint, you know, from the outside looking in. Because remember, he pulled that same stunt with the Knicks last year where he just disappeared for, like, yeah. a few days. Except he didn't tell anyone about it. He just vanished. People it's, had no idea where he was. Exactly. And, you know, at the same time, and not to, you know, be a complete jerk about it and be like, hey, he's a complete head case. Like, it comes off like he's a diva. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, from the player's perspective, when you think about it, he was on top of the world. He had that elite athleticism. But those injuries, man, those injuries, you know, not being able to play at the level that you know that you were capable of, you know, not being able to adjust. And, you know, even when you play hard, you just still feel hurt constantly. You just have to go through the constant rehab. That wears on a person. I can't imagine what that would be like mentally. Yeah, and, you know, I just, you know, at the same time, I have to feel for the guy. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, and the last thing we're going to talk about around the league that's been going on is the Memphis Grizzlies firing their head coach, David Fisdale, who I personally thought was one of the bright young coaches in this league. I mean, they fired him after dropping eight straight games. They've gotten off to, they got off to a hot start and then obviously cooled down with these eight straight losses. But, I mean, I didn't think they should have fired him. But there was some be- uh, rumors going around that he had beef with Marcus Gasol. So that played a role into it. But what, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I don't think that um, you can – go off of what the rumors say because we aren't there to to look at it behind the scenes. I think that Coach Fisdale is a very good coach. I don't think he was equipped with the personnel to succeed. I think Marcus is a very, very good quality center. However, I think that, you know, the eight-game losing streak, I think Conley's been out, right? Mm-hmm. Parsons was a complete bust with the amount of money they threw into him. They have never gotten Conley or Gasol any quality wing scoring, right? Zebo left after after last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's sad is that I just don't think, you know, a coach can only go so far in a way as his player's talent. Right? Exactly. That's why I don't think he deserves to be fired because going into the season, I did not think Memphis would even have a chance at being a playoff team. And they started off, I think, like 7-4 and four or something. And I was like, yeah. damn, these guys aren't messing around this year. But see, they started off that well because they had Conley, they had a healthy Conley who was playing well, 
and they had a Chandler Parsons who was starting to have a renaissance here before he got hurt again. And they have a Tyreek Evans who's looking like a bounce back player. You know, he had a great rookie year. He's ever so slightly just declined each year. Yeah. I think this is a resurrection year for him. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, you know, the, the Coach Fisdale firing in a way, you know, you look at the games that they played. Houston. Houston's a better team, right? And this losing streak, I mean, Houston demolished them, but Houston's also a better team. Look at Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a better team. Indiana, right, lost by three. Indiana was hitting. They scored 116 that, that night. Hard to keep up with that pace, right? Houston, again, better team. Portland, better team without, you know, <laughs> not a year without Conley. You know, Mavs lost by one. You know, that those things happen. You don't have your best players, and Harrison Barnes was balling, and so was J.J. Barea. You know, Denver, better team. Brooklyn, well, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> do, a I bad think. loss, right? Um, San Antonio, also, better team. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, people can speculate all they want. I just don't think that Coach Fisdale had the personnel that he had to succeed. He needed to succeed. Yeah. And there's too many injuries. Yeah, it's all bad luck. All right, next segment we're going to get on is Twitter fingers. You guys remember we did this last week? Well, guess who's got the spot again? Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> he tweeted on Sunday responding to an article titled, Isaiah Who? Where in his tweet he said, quote, Don't disrespect with the Isaiah, with the Isaiah Who, though. You know damn well who I am and what I've done. So this uh, this article was written about Kyrie Irving and like saying like oh my goodness we don't even need to remember Isaiah Celtics won 16 straight they're looking even better than they did last year Isaiah running his mouth well I mean you know listen I think the title was designed to get clicks absolutely that's how ESPN works you know inflammatory things like that's sensationalist journalism as its finalist like as an English teacher I could call that out (laughs) because you know but um I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you actually read the article, it doesn't really slander Isaiah at all. It just talks about Kyrie and how efficient he's been. It doesn't say, like, hey, like, Isaiah Thomas was terrible. Like, you know, it doesn't say any of that. It actually recognizes IT's accomplishments. Yeah. I think it was the editor who put out the title like that so they could get more clicks. You know, the, the, the article talks about the state of the Celtics right now. And, you know, for IT, you know, it's just more motivation for him. Exactly, and you know I can't blame him for tweeting that out because, you know, at, you know at, at first glance it's like that's not a good look. That's not a good look. Yeah, exactly. But when you dig in, uh, when you go in depth in the article and read it, there's really nothing bad. There's nothing yeah. playing uh, going against it there. It's just much ado about nothing. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, that's the day and age that we live in. All right, our second to last segment we're going to get into is the game of this past week. Which you think was, Mr. Chan? Uh, my pick would be the Celtics at Pacers game. Um, you know, we didn't have uh, Marcus Morris. They didn't have Victor Oladipo. We fell behind big. Then we started to claw back in. Uh, played some scrappy defense down the stretch. And took that game from them. I completely agree with you 100%. <laughs> and the weekly MVP of the Celtics. And honestly, I'll, I'll take this one because <laughs> I need to own this. And uh, we talked about this in the beginning of the show that we would eventually come back to this. 
as much as it triggers me, I have to go with Marcus Smart because we can't ignore these past two games. He's looked like a different player. He's really turned his game around finally after like a horribly slow start to the season. And, uh, you know, despite our loss against Detroit, Marcus kept us in it with his scoring. And if we can see this consistently, or not even just this, but like a, sh- a shell of this consistency throughout the season, um, I'm going to be very happy. Yeah, I mean, I think all he needs to really do, what we want that percentage as high as possible, but if he could hit, you know, 35 to 38% from three, that's more than enough consistent. You know, that's very good. That's a stretch right there. <laughs> but I mean, I think he's capable of that. The man is always grinding, and what I really appreciate about Marcus Smart, you know, as a Celtics fan and as a basketball fan and as a basketball coach, is that you know he doesn't let his previous plays affect him. Yes, he makes some boneheaded plays sometimes, but so do everyone. They they do. So, mm-hmm. A lot of people force a lot of things. And he plays a lot off emotion, but I felt like he's been a lot more in control of his emotions this season. And on top of that, the one thing I'm most impressed with him is that he's able to move on to the next play. Yep, he um, just forgets all about whatever he messed up on previously. Exactly, and you know he is the perfect example of how a coach would want a slumping player to play. Is that hey, you're not making your shots right now. Keep taking open shots with confidence. And even though you're not scoring and not shooting well right now, find other ways to impact the game. Find ways to help us get the win and, and make your teammates better. And that's what Marcus has been doing. And he's doing. been doing that for his whole career. He's always been making those hustle plays, those 50-50 balls. He's been getting those. And that's what makes him Marcus Smart. You know, that's what, makes, uh, that's what uh, gives him value on this team and importance is that, um, you know, when there's a loose ball, it's Marcus's. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to time to play defense, I know people get on him for flopping and stuff, but he's quick, athletic, and smart enough. Marcus smart pun, enough. <laughs> uh, to get himself in position to take the charge. And, again, as a basketball coach and as someone who throughout this whole first week of tryouts and first practices have been preaching how to take a charge, I really appreciate players who are willing to give up their bodies to take a charge. Of course, of course. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for this installment of Shoot Around. Be sure to tune in to our next episode next Thursday when we get that to you. All right, everyone, have a good rest of the week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, guys.